Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, and I want to thank the folks at TommyJohn.com for sponsoring the Weekly Standard. We really appreciate their support. And guys, if you're not familiar with Tommy John's fantastic men's products, you are in for a treat. Tommy John is a revolution in men's underwear that focuses on fit, fabric, and function. Shirts that stay tucked, socks that stay up, and underwear that keeps everything in place whichever way a man moves. Now, when they came to me and said, Michael, we want you to try on our socks, underwear, and T-shirts and talk to the podcast listeners about them, I said, you know, you may have found the worst person in America to do this. I'm not a clothes guy. I Underwear? My only question about underwear in the past was, how many holes can they have in them before they're technically not underwear? But I'll say it. TommyJohn.com has been life changing. Look, I'm longer in the torso, so t-shirts never stay tucked. And so at some point during the day, my t-shirt has ridden up under my armpits. I hate that. I was always the guy who had to find a discreet corner to remove the wedgie because my underwear didn't fit quite right. And I didn't really think about it. I just was walking around uncomfortable. Then I tried Tommy John underwear. Wow. It's like somebody who understands how men are shaped actually designed these. The t-shirts have a patented taper design. They're longer and form-fitting with just the right amount of stretch. And the socks have a unique technology that keeps them from sagging. I love TommyJohn.com products. It's all I'm wearing from now on, and I think you will too. But don't take my word for it. Try them for yourself. 20% off and support the Weekly Standard podcast. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Weekly Standard. Use the promo code Weekly Standard. That's TommyJohn.com slash Weekly Standard. Guys, you're going to love them. Come to daddy. Who's your daddy now? And that was a scene from the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is a movie that my wife and I absolutely love. And it's the movie where we kind of, for the first time, saw... What soon became known as Brangelina, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And so when I'm thinking of pop culture icons and superstars in contemporary society, I turn immediately to Philip Terzian, the literary editor at the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm delighted to be here, though. You made a huge mistake (laughs) because Mr. and Mrs. Smith, to me, is the 1938 movie (laughs) with Robert Montgomery and Carol Lombard, which I happen to like very much. What's the day today? Uh, darling, I think I'd better be running along. Oh, no, with... honey, not just yet. Remember rule number seven? Yes, but I thought we'd given that one up. It always got us into so much trouble. So, obviously, the big news of this week is the uh, breakup of the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie marriage, which has launched you know, a million magazine covers, not to mention about a dozen adopted kids somewhere in there. But you mentioned to me earlier today that when it comes to great on-screen, off-screen drama... Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are kind of small potatoes in the history of film and theater. Oh, I think so. And and also, I mean, it's it's not a great shock because we've been reading about their imminent divorce in the National Enquirer <laughs> for the last three or four years. So uh, as my wife pointed out, just about every week it predicts and, and finally it, it came true. So they're it's a brilliant piece so of journalism. When it comes to this kind of actor-actress pairs who whose films and personal life kind of cross over – who is the archetypal Hollywood couple in your mind? Well, I think in, in terms of that and and causing scandal that has genuine cultural repercussions, there are a couple I can think of. The earliest one that I would think of offhand, which is within many some people's living memory, would be Ingrid Bergman, who was the famous Swedish right. actress who uh, was, of course, in Casablanca with Humphrey Bogart. Played once, Sam, for all time's sake. I don't know what you mean, Miss Elsa. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. 
And in the late 40s, she made a movie with the Italian director Roberto Rossellini called Stromboli. And uh, they fell in love on the set and she got impregnated by Mr. (laughs) Rossellini. She was at the time married to a Swedish physician and had a daughter. Anyway, she left her husband and daughter and ran off with Roberto Rossellini, and they had um, actually, uh, I think, two more children, including Isabella Rossellini, who's the only one, I think, who went into acting. But that was a, I mean, it's it's partly the difference between then and now. That right. was a huge scandal. Um, Ingrid Bergman, which is... Silly in retrospect, because she always played. She, I mean, she ended up playing Golda Meir in a, <laughs> in a bio biopic or sure. biopic, however you say it. Um, but she was uh, banned from the airwaves. Uh, Ed Sullivan would not have her on her program. Wow. Steve Allen, who had a competing late night program, did have her on as a show of defiance. But she was, you know, from a million pulpits across mm-hmm. America. Ingrid Bergman was wow. the the fallen uh, woman. I, I think. Rossellini got off relatively easily under the circumstances, but that was the first big one. It was. Were there any uh, films or any art that kind of came out of that relationship afterwards? Because that's interesting about Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. She's made a couple of. You know, she she sees herself as a director. Those of us who have watched her movies may not agree. She made recently kind of an arty film with her husband. And the other they, they there's a. There's a, uh, a, a cinematic, I don't want to say a, a style, but you, you, when you think of couple, like I, I have a, a couple who are friends of mine, and my wife and I kind of call them our Brangelina friends because they're both attractive, they're both smart, they're both hardworking, they're both kind of hip. That's, there's a model. Was there a model that came out of that story? Or was that just kind of the scandal itself? Well, not the Bergman Rosalie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm trying to think. I, I, they may have collaborated. I think what you're talking about um, would per, maybe. Uh, speak to a, a decade later when um, Elizabeth Taylor uh, came on the scene. Elizabeth Taylor, of course, was the beautiful uh, Anglo-American brunette actress who'd uh, been famous since she was a teenager. Um, in 1958, she was, I'm trying to think, she was 26, 25, 26. She was on her third husband at that point, a, a sort of coarse producer named Mike Todd, a, you know, cigar-chomping guy, twice her age, who was killed in a plane crash in 1958. And supposedly, um, she was um, uh, helped through her grief by uh, the now largely forgotten, but then hugely popular uh, crooner, Eddie Fisher. Lady of Spain, I adore you. Unfortunately, was married to Debbie Reynolds, uh, America's sweetheart of the cinema of the era. Um, And so that became another big scandal. Mm -hmm. Um, Elizabeth Taylor, you could say that the double standard was at at work there as well. It was Elizabeth Taylor was the one who was castigated as the homewrecker of the happy Fisher Reynolds household. Eddie had little or nothing to do with it. Debbie Reynolds was very dignified and and uh, held her held her head high and um, uh, divorced Eddie Fisher and of course Eddie Fisher and uh, Elizabeth Taylor married. That was the occasion, by the way, that when Liz converted to Judaism was when she married Eddie Fisher. Unfortunately, her newfound faith did not sustain their their <laughs> marriage because. Then phase two of Liz Taylor came right. along, which all of us of a certain age remember, and that is in the early 60s when she was filming 
Cleopatra in Egypt. She met the Welsh actor Richard Burton, and the rest is history. You will therefore assume the position of a suppliant before this throne. You will kneel. I will what? On your knees. You dare ask the proconsul of the Roman Empire? I asked it of Julius Caesar. I demand it of you. Now that was a... That was a modern media phenomenon, really the first of its kind in some ways, Liz and Dick. They were both married to other people. Um, they were both huge stars. Burton obviously wasn't as big a star as Liz Taylor. But um, to the extent that there was tabloid fodder and television mm-hmm. coverage and even Life Mag, everybody got in the act. The Liz Taylor, Richard Burton uh, affair and carryings on was dominated the media for a good Good year. Now, you know. it was before my time, but what I look back on, I see a couple of things. One is the married, divorced, married again, divorced, get back together, don't get married. And then, of course, there's film work. Uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, the film performance. Oh, well, they made, yeah, they, yeah. Made, they made several movies right, Exactly. And, but the, the reason I bring that one up is because there's a lot of echoes of their stormy relationship. Yes. There appear to be. In fact, he was sort of a flop, a great big fat. I hope that was an empty bottle, George. You can't afford to waste good liquor. It was, I mean, of course, Liz had seven husbands, eight if you count (laughs) Richard Burton twice. (laughs) They were supposed to be well matched because they were both passionate, slightly violent, uh, probably drank a little too much. You know, they were the kind of uh, couple you read about who have a fist fight and then make love, right. that sort of thing. <laughs> and, I, and and this was translated onto screen in Who's Afraid of Virginia? They made a couple of films together. Uh, I have to admit, I actually, um, when I lived in Los Angeles, I saw them uh, in a Noel Coward play. Really? Um, where they appeared together. And it was, it was a novelty because by then they had divorced the second time. <laughs> But it was kind of like Frank Sinatra in his later years. People were only going there just exactly. to see them and to see how it – and, of course, Elizabeth Taylor, for all her many virtues, was not exactly um, uh, the greatest actor of the 20th century. So it was it was purely a commercial venture. But they had a um, – uh, you know, it was a soap opera that, that lasted – well – I mean the 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 Cleopatra business was 1962-63 and then they remarried in Africa in the mid 70s and I guess divorced a few years later so it was they had a good 12 year right. run. And to me days. that is the pinnacle you know you you go way down to get to Brangelina Liz and Dick at the top. Let me ask you before we wrap up about one other couple that I don't know a lot about other than I enjoy their movies and that is Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> What's the matter? Don't you want your rub now? What? Sore about a little slap? No. Well, what then? You meant that, didn't you? You really meant that. Why, Yes, you did. I can tell. I know your touch. I I know a slap from a slug. Well, okay, okay. I'm not so sure it is. I'm not so sure I care to expose myself to typical instinctive masculine brutality. Oh, come on. And it felt not only as though you meant it, but as though you felt you had a right to. I can tell. What have you got back there? Radar equipment? And I enjoy their movies so much, I even enjoyed the crappy movie Smart Set, which is not oh. a good movie at all. It's one of my favorite movies. You've got to be it's kidding me. the one me. set at what was obviously Time Magazine. Yeah. yeah. No, I love Smart You loved it? It's a very I, funny movie. I don't think it. I think it's slow and, and thin, but they're so compelling together and so 
was was that a, is that a thing? Because it was a thing. Well, I like How? Smart Set because it's it's a movie about journalists. It's about a magazine in New York, and which I I first saw it when I was a kid. I just thought it was the most beguiling. Really, thing. And, and it had its moments. I mean, there's there are a couple of scenes that are genuinely funny. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's a comedy when he's know. doing the test for her. Now, uh, do you notice anything unusual about the following sentence? Able was I, ere I saw Elba. No. Mm. I doubt that Napoleon ever said anything like that. Uh, unless you mean it's because it's spelled the same way, backward and forward. Is that what you meant? What do they call it? A, um... a palindrome. Mm. I know another. Madam, I'm Adam. I doubt if he ever said that. <laughs> and for her, it's so simple. She almost misses questions because they're too simple for her. It's well, there's one scene where she was the head of research at right, this exactly. magazine, and the phone rings, and he answers it, and mm-hmm. it's obviously someone asking, "Who are the seven dwarves?" <laughs> and he goes through the list, of, but he switches at exactly. some point into the uh, reindeer. Santa's reindeer, yeah. and <laughs> for some reason, it's. I thought it was very funny when I was a kid, and I, I think it still is. Um, well, they're a they're a, a somewhat more poignant and very different story. Um, Spencer Tracy was uh, married, had a son, uh, a deaf son, in fact, and his wife was a uh, very religious Catholic. And so the story always was that she wouldn't give him a divorce and he wasn't going to do anything about it. Um, On the other hand, there's no evidence that um, Catherine Hepburn was dying to be married to Spencer Tracy. She never married, as we Mm -hmm. know. There's always been speculation about both of them and their what their interests in life were. Um, so they had a kind of arrangement that uh, yeah, I mean, you never saw Mrs. Tracy and so on, but but it was one of those, and it's curious too, given the time period. I mean, this was all kind of contemporaneous with the Ingrid Bergman exactly. business, but people didn't seem particularly bothered about it. And it could be they were always either was always a euphemistic, you know, um, Spencer Tracy and his great and good friend uh, Catherine Hepburn. There was no, and and they never lived together or anything mm-hmm. like that. And they were very, uh, as we would now say, complementary or synergistic in their films. They their relationship was re uh, was reproduced on right. on screen. So you agree that part of the. Uh, the the film magic that makes their movies work is the chemistry between them, the authentic chemistry that comes across on the screen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is, from a writing standpoint, you know, not great, but obviously it was a socially important movie. But one of the things that makes it work is that it's clear that Spencer Tracy is at the end of his life right. as a as a person right. and that emotion that this is going to be their last film whatever I think uh, makes the ending of that, of that movie even more powerful. Well it's a little like coincidentally she was in that movie on Golden Pond where oh, Henry exactly. Fonda was clearly dying and it's mm-hmm. there's you, there's a kind of real life poignancy uh, to it. So you're my the... knight in shining armor. <laughs> you're not. You're not wobbly enough. I'm, I, I'm not close. wobbly enough. I also say that the finest uh, Elizabeth Taylor performance ever is John Belushi playing Elizabeth Taylor on Saturday Night Live <laughs> in the 1970s. Philip Terzian, it is always a delight to trap you in the podcast room for a few minutes and uh, and and discuss uh, affairs. Of, of events and otherwise with you here. We appreciate your time. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. And remember, you can subscribe and never miss another podcast. And remember, you can subscribe and never miss another podcast at iTunes.com 
I'm your host, Michael Graham.